Welcome back to Comeback. As usual, I'm your host, Connor, and we are back today with a recurring guest, a guest from episode 278. Please check that out if you have not already. The contents will be discussed throughout this episode and also in the link below. It's Jordan Harking, who came on before to talk about overcoming the suicide of his father, and now we're going to discuss his upcoming journey climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in memory, and also a host of other things, from Vietnam to traveling and more. Welcome back, Jordan. How oh, yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, yeah nice man. to see you. Episode 278, was it? Yeah. Is that the old one? It okay, is the cool. one. Now it's like 520 something. Yeah, yeah. 520 when, something. When I get this out, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that was a year and a half ago. I was yeah. looking, it was November 2021, I think. Yeah, big time. And yeah. this is like your fourth appearance overall in terms of groups and individual. We've done two cold ones. Two cold ones. And then. Three, I think. Do we do yeah, three? I've done three cold ones. So this is my yeah. fifth appearance overall. Yeah. Okay, it's right. Done. And another cold ones today, unfortunately, that I know you're recording with uh, Jeremy in Holland. I can't make it. I have to, I've, I've got all my stuff here. I'm flying to Hanoi yeah, literally yeah. in uh, a few hours. So, mm. unfortunately, I can't make that cold one. But, yeah, um, maybe the last time I'm on, maybe the next time I'll be on this podcast will be in Australia. Yeah, man. If you come and visit, I'll come visit. Fascinating. fascinating thing I've not actually mentioned on the podcast that I'm moving to Australia. Have you not? No, oh, no. Here's the official announcement. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. you heard it here first. Yeah. Cumber CK is soon to be on the road soon moving to Australia. Down under. Down under. <laughs> Come back down under. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to like almost pivot it because right now you can hear people from Saigon and it's just Saigon, Saigon. There'll be Vietnamese guests. Mm. Now it's just going to switch to complete Aussie influence. Like going to be in the outback interviewing Brogans? Is it Brogans? Bogans. Bogans. <laughs> Brogans. I think they're Joe Rogan devotee fans. That's yeah. what you call a Brogan. That, that makes sense. You know, Brogans yeah. who believe everything that they hear in the Joe Rogan podcast. Absolutely. And that's their only stream of information. I yeah. think that'd be a Brogan. A Bogan is like a, an Australian chav. Mm. Like, uh, I'm not too sure on the specifics, but I think you should do a, a segment exploring Bogan culture, mm. trying to find out what that is. Yeah. I think, to be honest with you, I need, I'll probably need something to focus on as soon as I arrive. Because it's a bit of a, bit of a, it's a bit on a whim the move, and mm. so I'll need something to focus on to direct the podcast initially. And a bogans is a pretty good start. I think start with bogans, and then one other thing you could do is try and explore and uh, find Viet Q living in Australia would be interesting because you've just come from Vietnam. That's kind of an in and explore like how they feel. I know you've interviewed Viet Qs before, oh, yeah. but it'd be interesting interviewing people who've never been to Vietnam about their perceptions of Vietnam having never lived there, perhaps being first or second generation Vietnamese themselves. Yeah. Um, you could even start to go into talking about like what their parents think about um, like the split of the country and the war and all that kind of thing, because there are a lot of opinions over there that you won't hear here so much, mm. or people won't share as openly here, That's whereas right. over there like you can share, you can talk about whatever you want. Why I want to get out of Vietnam, we actually spoke last night for quite a while, and mm. I really want to get out of Vietnam to get a different side, mm. because here like we are in a Vietnam bubble, and I think you might have mentioned, whenever you leave Vietnam, you don't forget about Vietnam, of course, but it's not as prominent, of course, because you're not there. And I think it'll be the same, where once I leave, I'll, I'll just forget about like rainy season and District 1 and just things that right now are like huge, just don't really matter. Mm. Like right now, I don't think about Manchester that much. Like I, don't, I know there's a lot going on in terms of cost of living crisis, coronation if you're bothered, <laughs> all of this, but I don't really process it because I'm not there. I'm 10,000 miles away. See ya. So I'm looking forward to having that with Vietnam. Yeah. Should be fun. Let's talk about kind of why we're here generally. Like it might be the last podcast, but for a while anyway. For those who didn't listen to the first one, episode 278, do you mind just recapping basically what we discussed? Yeah. So we, we discussed, like it was a very deep conversation. And so I opened up a lot. And uh, in that, and you can listen to that podcast and go to more detail. And we talked about what it was like when I lost my dad. So my dad took his own life in 2018 
so uh, a while ago now, uh, when I just turned 20, and we talked about like how that made me feel. Um, we talked about the process of, of, of grieving as well. Um, and then we talked a little bit about how I managed to um, direct my life in a way um, so that I still managed to, um, I would say, live happily and um, overcome that trauma. Even though like traumas will always come back and some of these feelings, they're not gone forever, um, I feel like I've gotten to a position now where I've very much accepted what happened and I've managed to live a very fulfilling life and um, it's, it very much defines who I am and where I am now and I'm very happy with who I am and where I am now. And so we talk about that. Um, and so, uh, and, and things have changed since then. So we can explore that a little bit if you want to. And like, sure. I'm happy to talk about things like that because that was a year, a year, nearly two years ago, I think, mm, year and yeah. a half. Yeah, yeah, year and a half. Um, so basically, this summer, um, my friend Ben and I have got a big trip. Um, my friend Ben is one of my best mates. I've known him since I was, I think, eleven, twelve. We met in high school. Um, I knew his dad, Alan. He knew my dad, Paul. Um, and our dads knew each other, all from the same area. And his dad actually passed away, unfortunately, uh, last year. I think it was in ah, it was in May last year, I think, or April last year. It was. It, I actually flew back to England. I saw Ben in London. He was the first person I saw, like my first time in England after a year and a half. We went for a beer, and he he shared with me. He said, "Look, my dad's really sick. Like, I don't know how long he's going to last." And um, a few days later, Ben got in contact with me and told me that his dad passed away. Um, after that, shortly after that, Ben and I went to Ireland together, we went on a trip, and we were talking about life, and we talked about our dads and, and death and all kinds of stuff, we got very deep, and we, we said that, and we pledged that we wanted to do something in memory of our dads together at some point, and use that as an opportunity to raise some money for some meaningful charities. And uh, we put our heads together and we decided that this summer, so in two months from now, we're gonna go to Tanzania, and we're going to climb to Kilimanjaro. We're both into physical challenges and fitness, that kind of stuff. We both love traveling. So we thought we'd put those two ideas together. And so we're going to go to Kilimanjaro. It's the tallest freestanding mountain in the world. Um, it's the highest mountain in Africa, the highest point in Africa. It's 6,000 meters high. It's like 20,000 feet. It's fucking high. <laughs> um, so we're going to go there. It's a seven, day, uh, seven or eight day trek. And we're raising money. I'm raising money for Samaritans which is a UK-based mental health charity, and they have a lot of campaigns trying to um, help people who are suffering with mental health problems and suicide problems and things like that. Um, and so I think that's a meaningful charity. And then Ben's raising money for Yorkshire Cancer Research. His dad died of cancer, so he's raising money for that. And so like, you can check in the link description, in the link uh, below, there'll be like the, the, the link where you can read more about that, you can read more about the story, uh, and you can donate if you would like. Um, and yeah, it, 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 or you can share. It'd be, be really cool if you could do that um, and just have a read because um, this is a big thing for us. And we want to do this and then in, in a few more years we'd like to climb to Base Camp of Everest and do some other um, treks there and do a similar thing. That's the mm. idea. I love the fact you can combine two things that you both really like, as in the physical fitness side of things with Kilimanjaro. And I think it's quite a a nice healthy goal to go towards in the short term but also something for the long term like base camp everest mm. and it's a good i say starting point it's quite a big starting point i'd say like kilimanjaro how are you feeling about going up there are you excited a bit apprehensive i'm trying not to uh 
have too many um, expectations, so I've not been doing that much research, to be honest. Ben's a really, he's like a logistical genius. Mm. He's organised everything. He's a very smart guy. He's very organised, and he's done a lot of the organising. So if you're listening, Ben, thank you very much. And I just sort of, I, he, he sends me voice messages and messages that are really long, and I'm like, yeah, all sounds good. Let's do that. Um, so like, but I am excited, and it's coming, it's coming very soon. Um, I've just had surgery on my shoulder, so I'm a bit like, I'm a bit out of shape at the minute, and I'm not too fit, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking now, I've got six weeks um, starting on Monday, I've got six week block before we fly to just concentrate on fitness, basically, jogging, hiking, some weights, like some legs and core and stuff like that, so I'm trying to get fit, it's not the hardest to climb, like, mm. you don't have to be a superman to, cl- to climb this, like, anyone can do it if you've got a decent base level of fitness, because, um, like, with altitude sickness, anyone can get that, um, it's not, it's fitness doesn't determine your susceptibility to getting altitude sickness actually it can be completely random so the only thing you can do is just get as fit as you can I feel really excited Uh, and then after that um, trek we've also got another week where we're going to go to some safaris as well we're going to go to Serengeti which is the biggest uh, national park in Africa I believe Um, and there's a huge wildebeest migration when we go in so hopefully we get to see that basically just loads of wildebeest uh, migrating through the, the Serengeti it'd be amazing it's where Lion King's set oh really yeah so if you ever watch the beginning of Lion King that's the Serengeti so like so some of the wildlife there looks amazing and you have to go with like um, a tour guide so we've got like mm. a, it's all organised we're not it's not like Vietnam where you could just get a bike and wing it you know yeah, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit yeah. more hardcore I think so so yeah. it's kind of, we, we've just been looked after by a, a tour group but yeah I feel amazing it's also going to be great sharing that moment with Ben and mm. I've heard that like the, the day that you summit that's the hardest part of the trek, actually. You wake up around midnight, apparently. You only you could sleep about seven, wake up around midnight, and then you hike about five, six hours, so that you get to the peak, you get to the summit, just as the sun's rising. That's what everyone does. But apparently, that's very challenging. That's the hardest bit of the trek. But um, apparently, when you get to the top, and I'm just, it, I've been visualizing it a little bit sometimes, it just like to be at that point so high where the air's so thin and seeing the sun rise over Africa, it's going to be like such a special moment Phenomenal. and I'm really, really excited for that. Would you take a photo of that to remember it or would you rather see it completely with your own eyes? I'm going to take a photo definitely, mm. just with Ben, just to, as well, because we raise money and because people are following this journey, absolutely, I'm going to take a, a photo, I'm going to make a vlog as well, mm. just because like people have donated money and I want to give back and, and share with them, um, share with my family. But like I'm not gonna overdo it. Like also, I'm not gonna be there just looking through my screen. Sure. Like, I want to appreciate the majority of that with my own eyes, kind Absolutely. of thing. Absolutely. Probably just get my GoPro, put it down on a little tripod, and set it to go, and then just enjoy it. You know, yeah. I think that's the best way. Definitely. It's seven seven days overall, is it? Seven or eight days, I think. Seven. We start on the the second, we summit on the eighth, mm. and then I think it might be another day to get down to the bottom, maybe. So it's seven or eight. I'm not seven sure. Seven or eight. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the logistics. Like, how do you factor in like food, sleep, rest, and all of those? We go with porters, so we we go. You can't just climb it yourself. You've yeah. got to, you've got to go with guides, basically. Thought so. <laughs> so we're going in. A, I think in our group there's ten climbers. So it'll be me and Ben, and then some other climbers as well. Um, that'd be cool as well because we we'll meet people that could be from anywhere, you know. And we'll be spending like seven days really intimately cl- close together. So that'd be interesting. Um, and the porters are all Tanzanian. Apparently they just go up like they're like. They're, like superhumans, they're just up and down that thing in flip flops kind of thing. They do it all the time. They've done it since they were kids, and a lot of them they help you carry your stuff. So I'll have a backpack, and then I'll also have a duffel bag. And the duffel bag, apparently the ports carry it on their heads. It's fucking crazy, like 
I'm very excited to meet the porters. And my, a few friends who've also done this climb say the porters are so sound. They say the Tanzanians are like super friendly. They teach you some Swahili, which is their language. Um, and then, yeah, you, you basically camp and they carry all the camping gear. And they they sort all the food out because they've done it so many times. They're course, professionals. Yeah. They just cook food. Apparently the food's good. Apparently it's just like chicken, rice, vegetables, potatoes, that kind of stuff. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I've got you for water. They they'll bring some water up, and there are a few checkpoints where they have you can refill your water, and you have a bladder in your backpack. I haven't got all my gear. Yet. I need to get some more gear. So, yeah. What sort of gear do you need, like? To... Uh, a lot of it I'm going to rent. Um, but you need trekking poles. You need a backpack. You need um. Uh, yeah duffel bag and then you need like various types of clothing like f- at the beginning actually we'll probably be hiking in shorts and maybe a vest because it's quite hot and big uh, Kilimanjaro it's like it's flat and then there's this huge mountain whereas if you go and hike at base camp um, the start of the hike is actually already really really high because it's just this huge mountain range uh, the Himalayas whereas yeah t- Kilimanjaro you're literally starting from like zero starting from nothing so like apparently the first day or two is like quite hot and then it progressively gets colder and when you get to the top it can be really chilly so you have to have ski pants and you have to have um, like a big thick beanie and gloves mm. and stuff like that but I'm going to rent all that because it's like I live here so yeah. if I buy it all I'm never going to use it whereas Benny lives in fucking he lives in, Man- oh, he lives in London actually he lives in London pretty cold in the winter yeah, he yeah does a lot of hiking time. yeah you're planning on coming back here after it aren't you yeah, I'm gonna yeah, come back for yeah. Jeremy's wedding. Oh fuck! Mm. <laughs> I'm really, really envious to be missing that. To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Singer of Coastal Connection is getting married, Jeremy. So I'll come back for that. And you're not, you're not just going to the wedding. You're hosting it. Is that correct? I'm the uh, the orator. <laughs> no, no. What would you call it? Translator. So, uh, I guess he's called him and Anna calling it the host. Um, slash track. I'm not sure. I think I, I need to speak to him more about this. Right. But there's, there's two days. It's Friday and Saturday. On Friday. It's going to be like the traditional Vietnamese-style wedding, apparently. I shouldn't be talking about this because it's Jeremy's thing. Anyway, there's two days, and I'm going to be like helping to translate a little bit, helping to mm. explain to people what's going on, and just hosting and like maybe saying stuff like, oh, and now the groom, Jeremy, will read his vows. And now, uh, enter the bride. I'm not too sure. I, don't really, I really don't know. I haven't been to enough weddings to know what to say, really, so I need yeah. to speak to them about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could do another interview after. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. But what, I think the main reason I mentioned that is because... In terms of like a broad question, like mm. we've spoken, the last time we had this conversation on the podcast was like two years ago. And also we've m- mentioned before that once your father passed away, you managed to direct it in a different way. So mm. you, I think you went to Camp America after that, yeah. is that correct? And then you come to Vietnam, you've had a Vietnamese Tet, yeah. yeah. You've, gone to, uh, you've been a lot in tested. Thailand a lot, yeah. Philippines a lot, um, Kilimanjaro. So like, there's always something going on, which is good. Like I, I like going towards people like that who... I think show some zest or some enthusiasm and who try different things. Like, it's not easy to do Kilimanjaro. It's not easy to go abroad constantly. You did Croatia as well. There we go. Another thing, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm kind of... The the long-winded way of saying this is I kind of want to talk a bit more about the stuff that you keep doing. Mm. It's healthy, it's good, it's productive, and it's quite high energy. Do you mind just talking a bit more, I suppose, about what you've been doing last couple of years broadly with all of these different challenges? Uh, yeah, like you said, I've got to keep busy, man. I don't mm. I'm not sure. I think you're a similar I'm kind of guy, similar. right? <laughs> if I don't do anything, like, usually I, I get quite angst and, like, um, I can get into a bit of a rut. I do think it's important to have some time to just mellow out sometimes and not do much. And I needed that, actually, after, um, 
after my dad's passing after a few years I had to go home and I spent three months working in a warehouse and just like just being with my family and not doing anything really and having like no social media time just reading books and like sorting through stuff and having some chill out time and I need that time in between doing stuff um, but this past two years have been very busy here mm. uh, for me for me man it's just like I feel like in, in our 20s um, it's time to explore at least for me anyway like it's, it's time to explore try different things figure out what I like figure out what I don't like try and meet lots of different people um, and just have loads of experiences and I think maybe like my 30s might be a bit more settled but um, like ever since I went abroad the first time for, for, for a decent amount of time when I went to the Philippines when I was uh, 19 since then I've just had the bug like the travel bug like I want to go and explore new places and try new things Croatia was amazing man because it was like the first time in a long time where I'd gone to a new country to spend a decent amount of time and I didn't know anything about it I didn't know what the currency was I didn't know what the capital was I, I just knew a little bit about a few footballers and that was it really that's yeah. all I knew I knew nothing and I like that feeling of going somewhere and knowing nothing and that's like with Tanzania as well I'm only there for two weeks but I don't really know anything about Tanzania and I kind of want to keep it that way. I, I, I watch a few videos and stuff, but I like the feeling of excitement when you go somewhere and you don't know what's going on and anything could happen. Mm. Um, as long as you do enough research to... Get you know, by. Yeah, you get yeah. by, you're not going to get killed, you've got enough money, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so like 2024 for me is going to be... like I, I want to keep 2024 completely open and have no plans at all going into it because every single year for my whole life really I've always had plans going into the next year uh, in advance I always make plans in advance like next year I want to have no plans I could be anywhere I don't know where I'm going to be I actually booked a flight home from uh, Ho Chi Minh to uh, London on the 23rd of December I paid I bought it already mm. I've got a cheap deal because I want to go home for Christmas because I haven't been home for Christmas in years and like my grandparents aren't going to live forever, so like, yeah, yeah can't, can't put a price on spending time with them. But I haven't booked a flight back, I haven't booked a flight anywhere. Mm. I'm just going to see, I'm going to have Christmas, I have New Year, and then be like, right, what's this year going to bring? And, I, and I, I, I like to keep doing stuff like that for at least the next few years, as long as I can. I feel very privileged, man, to be in, like we talked about before, being English, being in a position where I'm actually able to um, like live like this. Like I feel very lucky, and so I want to embrace it while I've got my health and I've got my youth. Mm. And as long as I've got like enough money in the bank and I've got some skills where I can either work or volunteer everywhere I go, like, this is what I want to keep doing. Massively. I think I've spoken yeah. with a lot of people, including members of my own family, that we'll never get our 20s back. Yeah. Like, never. I, from a slightly negative point of view, I think, oh, I've done half my 20s now, like in my thought process, and I'm pretty happy with what I've done. But I look at the next five and think, Still need to keep filling this because mm. it's almost your unfair advantage. Because like you're twenty, so if you do something stupid, you have sixty, seventy years to recover from it, as long as it's not too bad, right? So say if you um, do something, let's say you move to a country, you've spent too much money, it doesn't work out. Just one example, you can go somewhere else. Like mm. we're in that lovely stage where there's nothing really holding us back except for our own mindset, mm. and therefore Croatia, Australia. Vietnam, Philippines, Tanzania, they're always going to be there. Mm. And I think what would hold some people back, the reason I speak about this is because I've spoken to people before who stay in the, whole, in the same place their whole life and think, well, what if it doesn't work out? And I think we spoke about this yesterday. If it doesn't work out, there's another country to go to. Yeah. And you'll say if it doesn't work out, there'll be a reason why. And you'll learn something from that reason. Like you'll really learn from that difficult moment, where, whether it be you didn't budget well enough or 
you didn't do enough research. Whatever the issue is, you're going to learn from it. And I think that's invaluable, especially at this age, mm -hmm. to then take forward. I think so. You might not get what you want, but you get what you need. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I think if anyone has the opportunity to go and live abroad or move abroad or have a trip um, to somewhere that makes you feel a bit anxious, you should do it. Mm -hmm. 100%. And like you said, the only thing holding you back usually is your own mindset. And I get caught in that trap sometimes myself. Like, I create illusions in my own mind. Like, it might be with, like, a relationship that I'm in or it might be, like, a job that I've got or it might be something that sort of ties me down. Not really tie me down. It's just in my own mind I have these things that tie me down. Whereas, like, in reality, we're free as a bird. Like, and not everyone has this luxury. So that's why I think it's even more important that we take advantage of it. Also, this luxury might not be there forever. It mm -hmm. won't be there forever. Like... Uh, these countries are always going to be here but the world's changing um, your body's changing I, I feel like the time to act is now if someone wants to do something, do it if you've got to grind and like work for three months or six months or a year to save up some money to do something you really want to do get your head down and do it because only you can do it mm -hmm. no one else is going to do it for you I've got a friend recently who I, tra I was travelling with I was travelling with two friends, Katie and Danny and we travelled through um, travelled in Thailand and then in Vietnam and it's their first time ever being on a big trip like this, first time in Asia. And they've been putting it off, um, well, my friend Danny had been putting it off for a while. One of the big reasons is COVID. And also I think he'd been creating some illusions in his mind of like, oh yeah, I've got my car that I've got to pay for, I've got this job, you know, like it might not work out. And eventually they just, bought, they just did it, they bit the bullet and they came and they go home on Monday and they've had such a phenomenal time. And uh, he's going back and he's quit his job. He's going to look for a new job. He's c considering coming out and maybe living in Asia or coming back to for another big trip at some point and it's really I can see like how impactful this trip's been for them and I think a trip can be so impactful like that and it's not all been smooth sailing like there's been some things that have gone wrong yeah, they've been scammed like they um, you know Mr. Bus and stuff like that all these kinds of things they've eaten some food that was not so good they have some food poisoning all this kind of stuff these things will happen but it's part of the part of the journey it's part of the process part of the journey like I think we tend to overestimate stuff in our minds when I say we I, I'm mainly told I definitely do mm. as in I think something will often be amazing or catastrophic and reality is it's pretty much in the middle like sometimes it could be a positive experience but it's not incredible and likewise where it's something could be in my mind earth-shattering but it's really just a minor inconvenience in the grand scheme of like the universe mm. of how small we are and it's why I think taking that plunge you can't really fail because let's say, we'll actually use a current example. I moved to Australia. For some reason, whatever happens, it doesn't go well. Now, I think it will go well, but if it doesn't, it's not a failure because I've learned something really important as a result. And I still come back, like the time's not going anywhere. So for example, if you move to this country and you come back a year later, you s still are a year older. Mm. You still, and say for, you've learned something really invaluable by doing that, as in nothing's going to change in terms like, Manchester will always be there. South Kirby will always be there. Oh, Vietnam God. will always be there. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you're from, it will always be there. So I, and especially in this position, we are like top zero, probably top zero point five percent in the world. When I think of our privilege, yeah, take the advantage. I think South Kirby's going to be a, a reigning superpower pretty soon, man. You reckon? I think so. Yeah, it's up and coming, mate. It's up, up and coming. coming. We've got lots of shops, lots of uh, corner shops. What is your say? Say if you're a tour guide for South Kirby. What would you recommend? If I was a tour guide, <laughs> and I'm, I'll ask you the same question after, not for South Kirby. If I was a tour guide for South Kirby, um, I'd recommend going to um, 
there's a nice church with um, a gravestone, and this gravestone, the guy's name is Arthur Leg, which I think is funny. Arthur Legg. <laughs> yeah, that's his real name. I quite like that. So I'd take, I'd take you to see that, and okay. we'd, we'd have a chuckle. Uh, it's not the biggest chuckle, it usually lasts about one second or two seconds, and then I'd be like, right, should we do now? Okay, now we go to the church house opposite the road. You can get a nice pint of um, John's, John Smith's. Ooh. That's what you're drinking, Kirby, you drink John Smith's. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a proper South Kirby guy, you drink John Smith. I like a John Smith. Or Tetley's, you can drink some Tetley's. Yeah. Um, and we'd have like a dinner in there, Car- Carvery, Sunday dinner. we'll go there on a Sunday and, and have a Tetley's. Then we'd probably go to the Green, maybe the Green's like a big field, um, sometimes known as the Wreck, and uh, perhaps there'd be the Fair. Sometimes you have like gypsies come and do a Fair. Like the rides are a bit questionable, but we could go on a ride, mm. uh, watch your pockets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit thievy over there, and then probably go to Littleland to get pissed. Okay. There's some nice places to walk around. Sorry, Littleland is that bar? Littleland's a pub. Ah. It's called the Littleland. It has a sign outside. It says the best live music venue in England. Ooh. It's not. It's not. <laughs> That's a big statement. That. Well, it had that sign up for years, and for years they didn't have any live music. So I don't know what they. they I think they've painted over it now. Mm. That's a massive statement. The best live music venue in England, or it might be Yorkshire, but either way, it's not the best live music venue. No, I'm sure it's not. (laughs) It's it's definitely not. I've been to a few gigs in there. It's not at all. And also the toilets there need refurbishing. It's uh, it's the sort of place where it's called the Little and ironically, it's the place where all the little ones would go to drink. When I was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, I'd go there and smash on Fridays. you go there, try and chase girls, like have a drink, whatever. Yeah. It's cheap, uh, and they let let you in. They know everyone's underage, but they make, you know, they know the local police. Mm. And then um, when I was eighteen, I went there, and I just felt too old. It's weird. I just turned old enough to drink. Went there for a drink, and I just felt way too old. It's mad. There's a <laughs> nightclub in Manchester that I completely outgrown in terms of age by twenty. Mm. As in, I felt like. I was going to use another word. <laughs> I felt like too old for it. I was going to say I felt like a nonce, mm. but like being a twenty-year-old in this bar, and I'm like, how is like weird, isn't it? How are high school people here? Yeah. yeah. What I like we've done there though is you've sold, you've actually kind of sold South Kirby to me. Like I genuinely would want to go. It's pretty shit. But the, the, the reason I say is because often when we're in this mindset of traveling, mm. we can often think something's always better elsewhere. As in, you can get into the mindset of thinking, right, well, this place is shit, but the rest of the world's amazing. Mm. I'm like. The rest of the world is amazing, but also I think you have to appreciate the aspects of where you are, which almost contradicts what I've just said in terms of like get away if you don't enjoy it. But I think like Saigon, for example, I'll hear people whinge about Saigon. I think like there's nothing to do, there's nothing to see. I'm like, no, yes, there is. Right. There is a lot. Like I think sometimes you can be in that tunnel vision of this is shit. When if you actually stripped it off, there are some great things to see, even in places like South Kirby or Manchester or elsewhere. Like if you actually look. Could actually, you could get something. You get something of value. You sit and watch the streets. Interesting. Yeah. If we came to South Kirby, we'd sit down, have a coffee or a tea or something. Grab a tea, probably. Mr. T. No me. Yeah. Connor likes his tea. <laughs> um, we'd sit down and we'd watch uh, the people, probably. And that's what you can do that in Saigon, you can do it in Melbourne. It's, it's a good thing to do anywhere. Mm. If you've been somewhere long enough, eventually it gets boring because you kind of, in my opinion. But um, if you're somewhere with enough new people all the time, I find it really, really interesting to people watch. So I did a lot in Croatia, I did a lot of people watching Croatia. Yeah. South Kirby, we could do that, even people watch. What else might we do? We go to Innitz for a bakery. Ooh. Where would you take me if we are going to your hometown? My hometown. Yeah. Uh, so we could say Manchester, like it's quite, it's got its appeal, but let's go just my specific area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just my area, so it's Stretford slash Furswood. Stretford slash Furswood, yeah. is that what it says on the sign? Stretford slash Furswood. There's a Furswood sign, there's a Stretford sign. Right. So like Furswood is almost like a really small part of Stretford, mm. which is where I'm from. 
and I'm actually quite lucky because Old Trafford, 15 minute walk. Wow. So that kind of yeah, in my head I'm like it's actually all right. But let's say we take away the big. That's the, obviously the big tourist attraction. So let's take that away. I would probably take you because I think you'd appreciate this to Morrissey's old house, which mm-hmm. is a five minute walk from where I live. Yeah, and people sometimes gather in minibuses just to take pictures. That's cool. Morrissey used to live and write there. How far is that from where you are? Five minute walk. So that's five minute. Morrissey's old house five is a five minute walk. Old Trafford's a fifteen minute yeah. walk. Yeah, that's all right, isn't it? It's quite happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's I suppose you could if you countered that with the Morrissey thing, like it is just a house. <laughs> Realistically, like as in I, I don't want to spoil too much. It's literally a very ordinary yeah. <laughs> house that you would see in Manchester, England. But Morrissey lived there. <laughs> then we do some people watching. You could see quite a few things because it's quite a working class neighbourhood where I'm from. Yeah. To be honest, it's very it's been Labour since 1950, and you'll you'll see some things. You'll see the odd scrap outside the local yeah. pub, the Quadrant, the Quadrant pub. The Quadrant. Yeah. yeah. Are you close to the Didsbury Dozen? Are you close to Didsbury? Not Have you really. Heard of that? I, I know Didsbury. Yeah. Well, I, I went there once. Yeah. The Didsbury Dozen. Didsbury Dozen's a pub crawl. It's twelve pubs. In Didsbury. In Didsbury, yeah. Of course. Me, me and my mate is. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did it once. We did the Didsbury Dozen, and then we ended up on the Curry Mile. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm quite far from that, I suppose. Yeah. In, in terms of in terms of driving, no. But you know, if you're doing a pub crawl, you don't drive. So Didsbury's like the border of Cholton, which is again where I'm next to. So yeah. I'm Stretford. There's Cholton, then there's Didsbury. Didsbury's a bit posh, isn't it? It's a bit West Didsbury is. East oh, Didsbury, right. East Didsbury now. <laughs> yeah, because we were in a posh bit, and then we became gradually a bit more yes. working class and, yeah, and yeah. rough. That's it. Yeah. So I actually think, even though I've not been home for four years, I'm quite grateful. Like, I live near Old Trafford, and in terms of my actual neighbourhood, it's fine. In terms of there's probably been the odd bit of crime in the 20 year, 22 years I lived there, there's like one or two incidents of crime. Yeah. So it's fine, you know. Something about, like, when you move away, I think it, it does give you a different lens um, when, when looking at your hometown. Mm. It really does make things seem different. And it's I I actually really like the feeling of going home. So after being in uh, in America for five months, going home it just uh, four months five months going home after 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 camp, it's just this really nice homely feeling and going and having a carvery, getting a bath, having a cup of tea, seeing my dog, like seeing some old friends in Leeds. And it's the same after being in Vietnam. It's the same after being in Croatia. After Tanzania, it'll be the same. It's just that nice comfortable feeling for me. Mm-hmm. I do feel lucky that I have that. I have a nice home. And my mum looks after me, and like everything's good at home, and it's just relaxing, and like that feeling, you can't beat that feeling. Now it usually goes after a day or two days. <laughs> after two days, I'm usually oh fuck, I want to leave again now. I wish I was back in Saigon or wherever. Yeah. But that first day, oh, I always, I don't know what your route. Oh, you haven't been home for ages, right? So for, no. for, I've been home a few times, yeah. and I always go home, cup of tea, take my shoes off, cup of tea, sit down on the sofa play with my dog we usually put the telly on and just chill out and we actually have a, a hot tub in the garden as well oh, so if it's if it's i know fancy so if it's the uh if it's the winter i'll be like man get that hot tub on and i'll tell them in advance because you have to warm it up and then we get in the hot tub we have a glass of glass of beer or wine or whatever and it's just oh it's lovely that sounds amazing yeah i fucking love it man to be honest with you i, I do get that feeling biscuits Biscuits. Mm, I get straight biscuits in me. Do you? Oh, yeah. Tell my stock up on custard cream. Hey, I'm so glad you said this. <laughs> I'm so glad you said this because when my mum and sister were coming, they said, would you like anything? I went, yeah, custard creams. And they, then we've had this debate where they said, you don't like custard creams. I said, I do, I do. But like, I, move, I don't think I like them that much when I'm in England. But when I'm away from the, cus- <laughs> when I'm away from the custard creams, I'm missing like crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
It's called addiction. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. A custard cream addiction. It could be. I guess, like, if we're all addicted to something, custard creams is probably. Alan Partridge is addicted to Toblerones. Oh, really? Yeah, you know Alan Partridge, the I character. Of course, yeah. He, he, yeah, well, he had a Toblerone addiction. Uh, yeah, he talks about it quite candidly in, in some of his interviews. Yeah, he yeah. said once he, he went on a Toblerone eating frenzy and he found himself he blacking out and then he woke up in Dundee in his car and he had no shoes on and a mouthful of Toblerone. Wow. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> I kind of get what you mean in terms of the homely feel, but I, I got this. This sounds this sounds mad in hindsight, but at the time it was made complete sense. From moving from Sheffield to Manchester, mm. it's a one-hour train journey. So, But that was huge for me. I, I was a lot more nervous about that than Vietnam, bizarrely, even though it's completely different. But whenever I went home for Christmas, that day you know when you go home from uni for christmas what a fucking day first day was always incredible i still remember those three days that i did it from each year really really vividly because i was like yes i'm gonna have mince pies in the fridge because i lived like a like a, a dosser at uni i was like eating pot noodles like I, I, <laughs> drinking the, the fucking stella right yeah stella she, and pot noodle like yeah. bre- breakfast was it <laughs> breakfast and <laughs> <dinner>, lunch yeah <laughs> that was it so did I you put the stella did you heat up the stella and pour it into the pot noodle so that, that oh jesus <laughs> gross bro what's your priest <laughs> and put some beans on it as well yeah, man. student was, mix student, student cocktail mix. yeah student cocktail good idea Wish I'd have thought this eight what, years beans, ago. Beans, pot noodle, and Stella. Yeah, oh, dude. <laughs> and a shot of a uh, what's that drink we used to drink? Sambuca. Oh, that's gross. Uh, yeah, I know <laughs> that, that, that feeling when you go home. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I know what you mean actually. Like going from home to uni, I, I'm the same. I also went just an hour away. I went to uni in Leeds, so it's less than an hour away, and that's like that was a massive deal for me. And like that's we talked about like going and biting the um, actually going out and 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 action and starting now and doing what you want to do like sometimes it's just a small step like moving to a close by city or like traveling somewhere within your country you don't have to move to the other side of the country uh, the other side of the world yeah you can just do something small yeah exactly you know? yeah i think it, sh- it shouldn't be underestimated where you can often rate it higher say if you go from like uk to vietnam it's like, that's mm. huge but if you're com- if you're comfortable and if like your step is moving from say sheffield to leeds do like, yeah, if, if, if that's what... You might think it's not much, but try it. Yeah. Have you ever thought about... Have you ever... How would I phrase this? Have you ever considered moving somewhere really intense or going somewhere that's kind of dangerous or crazy? Like, I know you've interviewed someone who went to North Korea. Mm. Um, and I know... That's Kerry, right? That's Kerry went yeah, to North yeah. Korea. I know you interviewed Kerry about North Korea. Yeah. And I don't know if you've interviewed anyone else from, like we've been to Afghanistan or Iran or any of these crazy places but have you ever considered that doing some really intense travelling you mean like going going yourself right, yeah. right, not moving to right, well yeah. either moving to <laughs> yeah. moving move to no. moving to North Korea <laughs> we teach ESL yeah. in uh, what's it called Napita oh no that's what's the capital Pyongyang Pyongyang yeah I told you that Kerry met my dad there yeah which is crazy maddest story that's fucking nuts yeah. I couldn't believe it when I heard that yeah. it was it's the way it was on my birthday I, uh, we were at Indica and my mum and sister were visiting and they got chatting to Kerry mm. really liked him etc and yeah they were talking about my dad's travelling I've told you he's been to 142 countries somewhere. wow 142 yeah it's taking the piss right <laughs> there are only 200 in the world right yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's, like yeah so he's been he's been around let's say and wow just to illustrate the point, my sister went, oh, my dad's been a lot of countries. He even went to North Korea. And Kerry went, yeah, so did I. I was like, oh, really? And they, they chatted and said, what year? 2019. I went in 2019. And then they kind of wow. pieced the dots together. And they were on the same tour group. Same tour group, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you considered going to any places like that? Oh, to visit 100% North Korea. 
because I already yeah. know the experience through Kerry and my dad. Um, Afghanistan, Ball. <laughs> or anywhere just intense yeah. or crazy or challenging. I'd love to go to South America. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I feel like I would try and do it in the the intense way. Yeah. Like if I was going to places, I, I you know, I'd want to stay in the the slums, shall we say? I, I would want to test myself. Yeah. Go to the favelas. Yeah, yeah I'd, want, I'd, want, I'd want to give a bit of a test. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I suppose like I'm semi adventurous, as in I've got I've definitely got an adventurous spirit, but I'm not like an elite adventurer, shall we say? Yeah. Like I wouldn't do this just for fun off the top of my head. I think you. There was a stage where I was considering going down that route. I was like, I want to start going to all the craziest places in the world and writing about it and filming about yeah. it, basically. Um, but then I changed my mind. <laughs> I think Ooh. it was like, I like doing all these things. And what I love about it is I'm going to all these countries where the people are generally happy and friendly and they want people to come and visit their country. And and, and the experience is generally really positive. And even though sometimes you can look at... Um, the poverty in a country or the way that wars affected a country in some ways like generally overall I like going to happy countries right um, but there was a stage where I was thinking about going to like Afghanistan I was thinking of going to like after Tanzania I was considering going through Africa and going to some crazy places in Africa and there's some really cool YouTubers who do it but I feel like no I'd, I've changed my mind I don't yeah. want to do that it's a little bit out, <laughs> out of my comfort zone like I enjoy yeah. travelling I enjoy something different I do enjoy testing myself but Australia is a better test than Afghanistan for me. <laughs> for me, it was like, after Tanzania, I was thinking of going to all these African countries and volunteering, which I might do one day. But like, I was going to have to get all these vaccinations for yellow fever, because all these places have like these outbreaks of yellow fever. Mm. And like, I, I would have had to take all this medication for malaria and stuff. Yeah. And like, I don't want to get loads of vaccines and have to take loads of tablets just mm. to go somewhere to like, volunteer. Mean. Whereas like, I can give back anywhere and like, I can mm. volunteer anywhere. It doesn't have to be... I'm just kind of doing it because... For, for the sense of adventure exactly. but like I don't want to have to be on like <laughs> malaria meds the whole time okay, yeah. and oh I don't know maybe I'll go back in the future I've just I've, I've kind of I've come out of that phase at the moment and some other things I want to do before I pursue that also it's quite expensive doing that now mm. like it must be an expensive endeavour going to North Korea yeah oh yeah it would have been I yeah mean, you also it's not and for what like it's not the easiest application process either of course you've got yeah. to sign I think sign on disclosures and stuff like that and when they tell you to stop taking photos stop yeah yeah man yeah. I'm too much of a rebel I feel like if I went there I'd, I'd be like nah fuck you I want to take photos and then I'd never come back That's I'd, be, it, yeah. I'd got, be in jail got to be careful <laughs> yeah but before we get to the conclusion <laughs> <laughs> in the next, I suppose, I suppose what you're looking forward to, for the because 2024 you're going in with a blank slate. Blank so, slate. Blank slate, which I look forward to seeing how that goes, actually. You could end up in Afghanistan or <laughs> North Korea. There's a marathon in North Korea that you can run, and I'm quite like running. I ran a marathon once, and I've run a few half marathons. There's a marathon in North Korea that you can do, and apparently it ends um, in this huge stadium with like 100,000 people watching, but they're all probably just like sad locals who were just forced to go there and clap or something. I'm not too sure. It looked really weird, but I'd quite like to do that Okay. Uh, one day. <laughs> anyway, so... That could right. be 2024. It could be, maybe. Suppose the rest of 2023, then. <laughs> you're, you're doing, of course, Kilimanjaro, and that's probably, like, your short-term challenge. Mm. Um, what, ultimately, do you want to achieve for the rest of the year, then? I mean, there's Kilimanjaro, which we'll plug at the end as well, but... Yeah, so, so that's the main thing, Kilimanjaro. In six weeks, we're going to Kilimanjaro. So my main thing now is getting as fit as I can up to that. And then also um, having a really nice time back home because I'll be back home for a week before Kilimanjaro. I'll be home for a week after Kilimanjaro. So spending that time really connecting with family and um, seeing old friends, that's an important thing for me. 
Um, and then after that, I'll be back in Vietnam. I'll be back in Vietnam for about three, four months probably. I've got like work lined up that whole time. Uh, the priority then for me is I, I want to get, um, I want to look after my health. I want to mm-hmm. get as, as, I was really fit about a year ago and then I've, I've let my fitness decline. And so I want to rebuild that. So I want to rebuild my fitness and, uh, and strength and um, just make sure that I'm going into 2024 as fit and healthy as possible. And uh, that's it, really. I don't really have anything else going on. <laughs> um, other than that, just, just, just sort of being quite settled, I think, because like this year so far, I've been all over the place. And it's been quite exhausting, actually. And I've still, I'm still going to be all over the place. I'm going to Hanoi, then I'm back here, then back home, then Tanzania, then back home, then back here. So I'm all over the fucking place. So I think sept, uh, July, August, September, August, September, October, November, December, I want to be pretty settled. Like, if I'll be between Saigon and Hanoi. Mm. I'll probably have a place in both, yeah. a cheap place in both, and just really just settled, focusing on routines and just getting mm. healthy. I think that's the thing, man. That's and then 2024, fuck knows. <laughs> Could be anything. Yeah. Who knows, man? Could be North Korea, teaching ESL, Pyongyang. <laughs> I think a healthy balance is good, though. Like, a bit of settlement, a bit of adventure, mix the two together, nice healthy blend. Yeah, I think so. That's the difficult balance sometimes, like balancing mm. good healthy habits, because I think habits are really important in developing character and like helping me have a, see, a clear sense of where I'm going and vision. But then also like combining that with adventure and spontaneity mm. can sometimes be a challenge. So I'm trying to balance that at the moment. Yeah. Like I'm living out of a backpack at the moment and it's kind of exhausting because I'm always trying to find new places course, and accommodation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's actually quite expensive, like um, even though I don't have a place. It's like I'm constantly having to find a new place and get a taxi and then rent a new bike and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. It's a bit of a headache. Bit of a headache. Yeah. yeah. I look. I wish you the very best with it. Thanks very much for the, the comeback on comeback. And I look forward to seeing where your next adventure goes. Yeah, you too as well. And yeah, uh, yeah be uh, probably the last time I see you before yes. you go to Australia. In fact, definitely will be. Mm. So next time I see you, maybe it's in Australia yes. in 2024. I hope it will be. That'd be really really cool. That'd and I amazing. wish you the best of luck on your adventure as well. Thank you very much, sir.